Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Joshua Friedman. Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. Very exciting episode today. I am Joshua Friedman, news editor at Rappaport, and I'm joined by our senior news reporter, Leah Merovich, who is also the supplement editor for an excellent new Rappaport supplement sponsored by the GAA that has just been published on the topic of sustainability. It's a great read. I recommend everyone take a good look at it. And uh, congratulations, Leah. A great publication. Thank you very much. It was actually a really interesting and fun experience. My first supplement that I've done primarily by myself. So I really enjoyed the learning experience. I felt it really, it got to a lot of the important questions in sustainability. What is sustainability? How do you actually prove it? How do you actually kind of walk the walk instead of just talking? How do you actually prove your credentials? What do you think was the most important thing that came out of this supplement? So actually, I think there was quite a number of important things. But for me, I think the primary issue was right now, there are no set rules that determine what somebody can claim, how they can claim it and what they need in order to back up that claim. And that goes for both lab-grown diamonds and natural diamonds. Basically, right now, companies can tell people anything that they want, and there's nothing to stop them from making a false claim, and a customer is unwittingly buying something that they think is sustainable, and really it's not. So the fact that there were several industries that are in the process now of making these laws for what people can claim when it comes to both lab-grown and natural, I think is very important. And I also think what's interesting is that the claims that they come up with will be for both natural and lab-grown as a blanket. There'll be rules for both, but in general, there'll be the same blanket rules because they're being judged in the same way. So for me, that was the most interesting part. Right. Do you believe there's an issue that the lab-grown industry is continuing to present itself as being the greener alternative to natural diamonds? Um, I think it's a problem, and we actually touch on that in the issue itself, that for a long time, lab-grown has claimed to be greener because they're not tearing apart the earth and mining natural diamonds is tearing apart the earth and a lot of other things. But actually, lab-grown diamonds in a lot of ways are also not sustainable and use certain processes that use a lot of power and electricity and can be harmful to the environment. And natural also can be sustainable in certain ways. So really, it depends on the company, what they're doing to offset carbon footprints, how they're using solar paneling and things of that nature, what exactly they're doing. And I think that it can't be one rule for a whole industry versus another. I think LabGrown has started to be a little more wary of making comments like that, but it's still going on. And I think it's a problem and it needs to be addressed. And I think that having a set rule for what people are allowed to claim, whether lab-grown or natural, is really the answer to that question. So yeah, there there was one particular article, I mean, they were all good, but one that caught my attention by Jennifer Hebner called Terms of Transparency, which was kind of about how to prove that when you're making claims that they're true. And some interesting stats there, that 53% of green claims give vague, misleading or unfounded information, and 40% of claims had no supporting evidence. 
She did point out that there are ways of enforcing some of these standards. So, for example, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is able... She quoted Sarah Yud of the Jewelers Vigilance Committee saying that the, that the FTC can sue them. There are ways. There's also the National Advertising Division, which is some self-regulation, so they make recommendations rather than enforcing things. But there are ways of ensuring that claims are genuine. Yeah, there are certain ways, but it can be very difficult to find people who have misleading claims and then there have to be brought to face these claims in a certain way it has to be proven it's not as easy as it would be if it was just a blanket statement the thing is too is that there are different sustainability labels but all of them have different levels of transparency so there are ways around using them a lot of the time where a company can claim something you know, let's say you have a necklace that's made with 10% recycled gold and 90% non-recycled gold. Can you claim sustainability on that? For 10% of it, it is. And do you need to disclose that only 10% is sustainable? You know, like if you're buying orange juice and it says that it's natural orange juice, but really it's just a little bit of natural orange juice with a lot of sugar and water. You know, what do you need to prove? So I think that right now there are ways, but I think that they are not standardized enough and I think they're not widely spread enough and I think that they're not strict enough. I think the claims need to be stricter. They need to be better enforced and there need to be harsher penalizations for people who don't comply with those. Talking of recycling, one of the things that came up and we've kind of heard a little bit about this before is that the term recycling for jewellery can be a bit misleading because uh, well, there's two issues. Firstly, it's not really recycled in the way that papers recycled or plastics recycled. It's really just reused. And secondly, it can actually be the recycled products that have the darkest history because they're the ones that they may originate from before there were strict strict sourcing rules. That was a topic that came up a few times in this supplement. So that's true. Actually, many jewelers use recycle to refer to gold that they get through jewelry that's been turned in that people aren't using. They melt it down and they reuse it again, or they take out a stone and they put in a new stone, but they keep the setting. And there are many that argue that that actually isn't really recycled. It is reusing, as you mentioned, and that recycling really comes from using products like e-waste and dental fillings and things of that nature to get your metal from, because those things are harming the environment. They're sitting there and not breaking down, and they can be used for better purposes that are really helping the environment much more than just buying used jewelry, melting the gold down and reusing it in that way. And also, Going back to the topic of the, the definition of sustainability, I thought it was kind of interesting that they were still using a... Basically, the 1987 definition of sustainability is still the one that people rely on. It's, was it meeting, meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs? It sounds like that understanding is still meeting the needs of the, of the current generation. Yeah, I think that the definition still makes sense today. However, I do think that... It needs to be tweaked a little. I think there needs to be some add-ons to the definition. It's a very broad generalization. And I think that certain things that weren't available at the time that the definition came out are available today. And I think that it needs to sort of be updated for today and what's possible, what people are capable of, and what people are doing. So um, for instance, you know, I think it needs to define certain topics and I think it needs to address certain processes that are in place and, you know, maybe 
be a little more concise in its definition. Right. But also um, the sustainability and then there's the wider ESG, the the wider ethical considerations, social considerations. And this came up in one of Jennifer's articles, Preaching What You Practice, where one of the jewelers who was interviewed pointed out that the company presents itself as being a sustainable jeweler and wants its consumers to identify with its ethical values. So this is really kind of taking sustainability beyond just the environment and not destroying places to actually um, kind of promoting values and identifying with the values of the consumers. It's actually interesting because one of the topics that we discuss in this article is what does sustainability really mean? Only the environment? Is it giving back to the communities? Is it taking care of the people that are in those communities from which you're mining diamonds or from which you're running your company? Is it promoting education and social reform and programming Is it having a responsible supply source that you know is ethical? What actually constitutes sustainability? And there are many definitions. And actually, in one of our articles, we asked 10 industry leaders in, you know, different communities, mining, manufacturing, retail, you know, different industries, what they feel is the most important thing about sustainability. What does it mean to them? And what is their company doing to promote sustainability? And we got a bunch of different answers. So it's interesting to see what people think of and what they address as sustainability and how they are factoring that into their business. This is, what I guess, why ESG, environmental, social and governance, kind of makes a lot of sense as, as a term to replace sustainability because it just shows that it's a bit broader than just the, the, the basic things that the word sustainability implies, but it's not quite as catchy. There was one other thing that I did catch my attention, um, Boucheron's um, you're going to have to tell me how to pronounce this. Kofalit. So they, they've produced a line of jewellery that uses vitrified asbestos, correct? So they have made asbestos safe and put it into jewellery. Kind of an unusual thing to do, but got our attention at least. So actually, that is not Boucheron's first rodeo with using substances like that. They've actually used magnesium in jewellery and they have used other things to sort of take some of the harm out of, you know, mining gold, mining silver, mining different gemstones. They used Kofalid in their Jack de Boucheron Ultimate Collection. And what they do is they actually put it through a process which hardens it into a rock-like form that they can shape like a regular gemstone. They can cut and shape like a regular gemstone. And I personally think it's beautiful, but I know that there are people that have expressed concern over it and said that because jewelry is such an emotional purchase and that people like to be connected emotionally to their jewelry, how can you be connected to something that contains asbestos? Because it just turns you off as soon as you hear it. And then there are those that think, I really am feeling more invested and connected to this because it's not harming the environment because it's actually taking something that's destructive and turning it into a positive force and that makes me feel good about buying it. What do you think about that, Joshua? What's your opinion? I know, I feel like, I wouldn't say the jewelry in this particular case is my style, but it's just different people's preferences. I think using something that's been sitting around is of no use and something can be done with it. There'll be demand for that in jewelry. Um, But yeah, it's not exactly the most romantic thing. And there was a line from uh, a jewelry consultant, Valerie Demure, aren't diamonds simply carbon atoms after all? Which um, maybe is 
not not a line that will go down so well with everyone. But yeah, I think there'll be there'll be some demand for something like this. Well, I think the Kofali collection is not necessarily something that will go down with everyone, but I think Boucheron obviously knows who their target customer is and that this is something that they want. I personally love the collection. I think it's beautiful, but I'm very into black <laughs> jewelry. So for me, that's uh, it's something I would buy and I would actually feel good about buying. And I think that they'll probably continue with it. And I think it's also interesting that in this issue, we feature many designers who actually use things like e-waste and, you know, old dental metal. Dental metal for me, I think makes me a little more squeamish. I just think it's a little strange, but I wouldn't say no automatically. But Ushaba is one of the brands that's using e-waste in their jewelry. And they actually have jewelry that's made from like old microchips and motherboards and things like that. And it's amazing how they transform them. You can tell when you look at the jewelry what it is, but it's beautiful. I find it breathtaking. So I think you can really do and make a lot of beautiful things with things that people would consider waste or trash. And you know, it to me follows the old saying, one person's trash is another person's treasure. And I think that proves it. Another kind of interesting topic that came up was how, how to talk to your customers about sustainability, because often the jeweler doesn't know what to say, the consumer doesn't know what to say, and they're not necessarily talking on the same terms. The jeweler doesn't necessarily have the information that the consumer wants. I think it was kind of the conclusion was summed up with a few lines in in one of the articles that said if if you don't if you don't have an answer just say so. It's okay to admit that you're working towards a better jewelry industry. So it, it seems that what what consumers want is really honesty about the origin of the products. That's exactly right. I think that's the most important thing. I think that if you're honest and you tell them you don't know, but you're working towards it, you're trying, you'll find out for them if they're interested in something. I think that's always better than, you know, making something up or telling an untruth because it it can brand you as somebody who doesn't know what you're talking about or as somebody who doesn't tell the truth. I think that, you know, it's better to just be honest and to let them know. And if they don't buy from you, they don't buy from you. And maybe next time some, you know, you'll look into it and somebody will. But I think aside from, you know, telling them the truth when you don't know about something is also to make sure that you're fully transparent. Don't tell them partial truths. Don't say this is a sustainable necklace if it's 10% sustainable gold and 90% not sustainable gold. Tell them this is partially sustainable. It has 10% fair mine gold and 90% gold from other sources that I don't know where they're from. But also something that they stress is that you should also go into detail. If you say this is 10% fair mine gold, but you don't explain to them what fair mine gold is, you're really losing out on potential to educate people and to let them know that you really know what you're talking about and that you are trying to make sure that your business is sustainable. Tell people exactly what things are. Be fully honest with them. Give them accurate information. Make sure you get as accurate information as you can from your suppliers so that you can pass that on to your customers. And if you don't know how to approach sustainability with your customers, if you have pieces that you know are sustainable and it's in the category that they're looking for, show them those and say, I have these sustainable pieces over here that are what 
you know, similar to what you're looking for. And these contain fair mine gold or they contain gold from, you know, artisanal and small miners that's been sourced through these verified channels. Just make them aware of everything, explain to them what it is. And I think it will be better for your business in general. Just finally, I recommend everyone open up page 11 of the supplement and have a look at some of the GIA definitions of green terms that I find that very helpful. Things like sustainability, recycled, carbon neutral. As well, it's a very, very useful tool. Uh, thanks, Leah. It's been a pleasure talking about this. And it was also a pleasure reading through the supplement. It contains a lot of important information about this topic. And I hope everyone else enjoyed this podcast and enjoys reading about it. Thanks, Joshua. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun working on it. And I think we have a, a really nice supplement that people will really enjoy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rappaport Diamond podcast. For more discussions, news and analysis about the diamond industry, Visit us at Rappaport.com, follow Rappaport Group on Instagram and follow Rappaport on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to get future episodes.